Welcome to this episode of Finding the Future, where we interview thought leaders and innovators in land use and sustainability. I'm Bill Griffith. On a trip to Guatemala, a friend introduced me to a unique outdoor classroom, a learning lab of sorts for those interested in sustainable agriculture. It's located on the shores of Lake Atitlan, a beautiful volcanic lake in the Guatemalan highlands. EMAP is short for the Mesoamerican Permaculture Institute and was founded by local people to showcase the ancestral knowledge of food production in the area, which is known for a rich diversity of seeds and plants. Ronnie Leck is one of the founders of EMAP, which was started over 20 years ago. He explained that much diversity in plants and seeds has been lost to monoculture farming practices. EMAP is hoping to stem that loss by educating local farmers on the value of biodiversity, which is so unique to this lakeshore region. We landed on the shore of a two-acre compound, one of the last areas of natural shoreland on Lake Atitlan. The rest of the shoreland has been developed as vacation homes for the wealthy families of Guatemala and visitors from other parts of the world. Our tour started in the wet areas close to the shore where the soil is very rich. This is where the local farmers like to plant vegetables in small patches. Surprisingly, the seeds can be more valuable than the plants and vegetables they produce. We took a short walk uphill to an outdoor learning lab, lush with gardens where visitors and students learn sustainable practices, like building an herb spiral or planting a tree farm. We'll get to more on that in a minute. Inside the EMAP office, there is a small room with sparse furniture but plenty of shelves. The room does double duty as a small marketplace where local farmers and producers can showcase a variety of products, all rich in nutritional value and some even qualifying as superfoods. Yeah, so this is our office and store. And basically this store is also like a window for uh, local producers to show their products too. So not all the, the products that we have here are that we make them. You know, they're made for different farmers. So here, for example, we have a, a honey from a group of women beekeepers. So, and then we have a coffee from a cooperative too in, in San Lucas, E-Huts. EMAP promotes the production of superfoods that have grown naturally in the region for centuries. One of these is known as amaranth, which is rich in nutrition and easily digested. It can be eaten as a raw seed or ground down into flour or meal. So you have a cereal. And uh, if you grind the cereal, you have a flour. And then flowers you can use as a supplement, nutritional supplements, or you can mix it like with, uh, a, with chocolate. We have a, like a, a traditional drink that is called uh, a tol. It's a bit perplexing that so many children in Guatemala suffer from malnutrition when the plants here are so rich in diversity and nutrition. Lek explained. Well, that's the challenge right now, or that's a whole idea, is to offer this product to all these uh, projects and organizations that are working uh, the nutrition. You know, like the parish in San Lucas has a program uh, so ideally, it would be that they will use that. But now their complaint 
is that it's too expensive. But also the reference is that now like the nutritional product is called Incaparina. And Incaparina is, uh, is sold by the Castillo family, the owners of Pepsi, Gallo, and all that, you know? So owners of half of the country. So they have institutionalized that, and which basically is a corn and soya from the States because it's very cheap, you know? And so it's no really nutritional value, but nevertheless, all the schools, all the, all the nutrition programs in the country use that as a reference. So that is a very cheap product so they compared compare, to us. They, they always compare it, you know? EMAP has been working to commercialize some of its core products by creating standards around labeling. The idea is to make native foods accessible to the people who live here. At the same time, they promote local farming cooperatives that produce these superfoods. We have a network of uh, 70 farmers, mostly women. So, and they work in the communities of Santiago and San Lucas. We moved on from the store to the heart of the compound, which is the seed bank, or seed house, as Lech calls it. Mesoamerica, like I said, is a mega center of the diversity of the world. You can see in, in that map, you can see all the mega centers of diversities of the world. And uh, Mesoamerica is one of them. So even though Mesoamerica is uh, only 1% of the surface of the planet, we have uh, 14% of the biodiversity in the world. Leck explained that Mesoamerica had 5,000 varieties of corn at one time, but today they have less than half of that. So as they lose biodiversity, they lose the key to growing sustainable crops on small plots and family farms. That's because your gene pool becomes uh, poor, and the strength of life is diversity. Without diversity, biodiversity, there is no life. And so we are in a very critical point right now in the world because we are losing our diversity very, very rapidly. The seed bank is like a microeconomy. Local farmers buy seeds on credit and return two to three times the amount of seeds in repayment. So people can get access to seeds for free or at a very low cost. Well, the, yes, like, uh, well, the, the uh, policy of the seed house is that we can buy sell, exchange, uh, give credit, uh, all in seeds. That's our currency here, yeah. So uh, we exchange it with other seeds, you know, also we can trade it with other uh, products as well, if they wanted to, or we can give it to loan and in, in uh, credit, and then they return it when they make their harvest, you know. The seed bank has been replicated throughout Guatemala. Lech explained that not every seed grows well in the country's diverse climates that can range from the coastal areas to the highland rainforests. Lake Atilan has the advantage of sitting in between these two climates, fostering a wide range of plant life. I mentioned that IMAP is a primarily an uh, education center, but it, uh, the good way that you put it is uh, the, the, you say also say that lab, and that's a good good word because uh, basically here also we we incubate, we create uh, these uh, all of these uh, ideas 
that we try to to show people that it has to be work or has to be done. So in one of them is the first one was the seed banks. So we started the whole uh, seed bank around the country. And it is not that we have many, we want more, but right now we have the five seed banks in the country. And one of them bigger than ours, which is good, you know? And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, so so it's, it's catching on that. Yeah. The goal of the seed network is to promote food sovereignty on a national scale. Leck explained that each family and each farmer used to have their own seed bank of sorts as they grew plants and crops for both produce and seeds. As farming became commercialized, farmers here began to rely on big seed companies and stop banking their own seeds each season. EMAP hopes to reverse that trend and promote biodiversity at the same time. We moved outside again to an area that looks overgrown but is really a vertical garden. At the heart of permaculture is efficiency and reduction of waste in a closed-loop system. Everything, including even weeds, serve a purpose. The weeds hold moisture in the ground for the benefit of other plants. So uh, here you can see this uh, little example would be this, uh, what do we call it, a herb spiral. So I don't know if you can see the shape of it. You know, sure. and oh, yeah. it goes down. So, what do we by by designing this spiral like this, we can um, achieve uh, many things. One is uh, if this you uncoil this this spiral, you will be your surface for planting will be very very long. No, so you're maximizing the use of space. You know. Right. By, by also using your, your aerial, your vertical, uh, instead of just horizontal, you know, space, you're using your verticals. So maximize the use of space. And the other is that also the, the upper part will have a very, very different uh, condition than your lower part. So what do you think is going to be the difference between the up part and the lower part? Dry on the top, wet on the bottom. Yes. Yeah, so that... Are you creating microclimates, little special niches, you know, uh, that otherwise in a linear way you would not obtain that. So that means that you can put more diversity in, in, in a smaller space. So one of these herb spiders can plant, you can plant up to 32 uh, medicinal plants and culinary herbs. Land is at a premium in Guatemala which means you often drive by farms that are built into the steep slopes of a mountain or cut right into the side of a volcano. So a lot of the things that we do is how to work with small spaces because uh, that's the reality here, is no land, no space. So how do you maximize? But the other idea too of permaculture is that we should use less space for agriculture so we can have more forest, more for wild. You know, because that's that really sustainability is, is the forest, is the trees, you know. So originally permaculture means permanent agriculture is the original proposal was that the only way to do that is with permanent plants, perennial plants. Another concept taking hold is tree farms. That is planting crops that grow vertically rather than horizontally. A corn tree is a good example. 
According to Leck, one corn tree will produce the same amount of food as two acres of corn. So in 10 meters, you could produce way much more food, you know, and with less work. So once that tree is established, you don't have to do anything, you know, and it can last for 100 years. You know, so we need those kind of ideas. That's that's the yeah. So that's we work with that. We call it the food forest, and some people call it the agroforestry systems. You know, so that's kind of we, what we're trying to promote with the coffee here. And now we have a more chance because people are not so sure about coffee anymore. And their coffee has a disease because of climate change. Coffee right now is very difficult to grow it here. You know, so that gives us a chance now that to promote other trees in the system. Before, it was very difficult to grow food. Yeah, it was resistant, you know. And, uh, but in a coffee system, we can easily produce bananas, easily produce uh, palms like that, uh, edible palms, uh, avocados, you know, build a whole forest on top of it. As we wrapped up our interview, I asked how the programs at EMAP are funded. Lex said the seed program is self-sustaining through sales, credits, and trades with local farmers. Other programs on the educational side of EMAP rely on tuition and donations, and they are always looking for new ideas and partnerships with folks both near and far. A good example is EMAP was recently invited to support a growing family garden project in San Juan La Laguna. That's a village on the far side of the lake. When the pandemic stopped the flow of food to the small village, another program called Ecolibri encouraged families there to begin growing their own vegetables in small plots next to their homes. Once travel bans are lifted, EMAP will teach sustainable practices to these families to help them get the most out of their gardens. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding the Future. If you have a story about innovation in land use and sustainability, I'm ready to listen. I'm Bill Griffith.